I never was proud of the fact that I was in an elite unit in the SS, and I was never proud of the fact that I got the Iron Cross second class and first, first class. I became a war hater when I was in Dresden, what I saw in Dresden. That, that was, you know, if I, if I say Dresden, I can smell it. I can smell it now. And I've got ghost pumples going over my whole body. I don't like talking about the war years because it's, it's something that really divides us. We have been to several films where we've had to come out when we were first together because I realised, and so did he, that we were sitting together, but we were sort of on different sides in the film. The stench. And it really threw me back. Undescribable. Uh, People just hate Jews. I don't know why I haven't discovered yet. I mean, I hate some too, because they're pretty awful. And some lovely, they're just human beings. The Jews were our friends. Jews didn't mean anything. But the communists say they were the danger, not the Jews, not, not in our little town. And when was the moment you, that you did fall in love with Hans? Probably the first time we went to bed. I probably shouldn't <laughs> say that. You want the truth, that's the truth. And that's the truth because he's a loving man. He's... he's he loves women, he thinks of women in a tender way. Most of the men I knew thought of women as something they used and chucked away. You know? The first time we went together into one bed, Gina looked at me and when I undressed myself, she saw my blood group tattoo under my arm. And she said, what is this? And I, I said, this is my blood group. Why is it there? And I said, well, that was the first thing they did when we went into the SS, because we were an elite organization, and every SS man, when he came in, got his blood group tattooed under the left arm, for that reason that if he got injured in the war, that they only had to look under the war and give him the right blood. And this was basically the end of it for me. For Gina, it was apparently something different. I knew, really, but didn't know. You know how you don't know things you don't want to know? And that's where it had been. And then, of course, I brought face to face. And I thought, it's typical, absolutely typical. You fall in love with somebody who's the last person on earth you should fall in love with. But then I thought, what the hell? 
That was then and this is now. You, you've got, this is, this, they are all external things. They don't have anything to do with anything. The, the point is that no matter what, I love her. I was born in Germany, in Silesia, in a small town of a population of about 20,000 inhabitants. On the 23rd of, the, of January 1926, my father, when uh, he was 18 years old, he, he went to the under officer school, and in 1914, he was 18 years old. He became a soldier. He he was in the in the in the first regiment that went into Belgium. They marched in with the first regiment on the second of August, and on the sixth of August he got a bullet through both legs. And uh, he woke up in a uh, uh, field lazarett, and um, the, the doctor in the field lazarett said we had to amputate your left leg because you had gangrene in it. It was basically the army at home because he learned it like this and so it was like this. I went once with my father to, uh, on a hunting trip or something and somehow I injured myself on my hand and it was bleeding like hell, you know. And we didn't have anything with us. And my father said to me, that is no problem, piss on it. You know, that's what we did in the war. If something was bleeding and you didn't have anything, you pissed on it. And that's what I did, and he was right, it stopped. He, be he became a member in 1900. 31, he joined the party, or 30, or 31, he joined the party and paid his dues, you know, the same as my mother did for the Frauenschaft. She was a member of the Förderenden Mitglieder der SS and in the, in the Frauenschaft, and as such, that was it. As, as far as the life under Hitler was, he only wanted the best for all of us. I grew up as a soldier. My, my father checked once a month my fingernails, whether they were clean or whether I was biting them. I don't think he was ever a devout Nazi anyway because he's too free a spirit. He believes in freedom for everybody, including himself. And that's not sexual freedom, it's really mental, spiritual freedom. I was one day in this manhole when a bit further away on the edge of the forest a Russian tank appeared. I was sitting in this hole with two Panzerfaust. The first one was K-47 
coming directly over my manhole and usually when they found that there was a manhole they stopped over it and just turned around whether there was anybody in it or not. So I was sitting in this hole and the tank came over my side and stopped precisely on top of the manhole. And he must not have seen it because he continued. And the moment when I was thinking that he was far enough away, I took one of my Panzerfaust out and sent it right in the back of the tank. Petrol and ammunition and everything, boom, the whole thing went with nobody coming out of it. The other tank, which was with him, who was a bit behind him, he must have decided when he realized that the first tank was being shot down, not to go over the top, but stay on the bottom. <laughs> and that's what he did. He, he went uh, through the cutting, and uh, the moment he was on the way of turning to the right to getting around that tank, which I shot down, I shot him down too. He got the Panzerfaust, which I luckily had two of them there, right under the turret and uh, nobody came out of that. He was 17. I mean, all the 17-year-old males I know are all potential killers, even if they're not killers. They're not fully, fully formed. And uh, I didn't marry Hans because he's... Uh, XSS and I thought all oh, this would be fun and married him because he was delightful and the funny thing is that two of the most delightful men I've ever met were both in the SS Hansen a close friend of his in Germany and they it, you know absolute I think because they have so far to come so much they have to work out so much to think about what they've done and what they've been part of that they just proved to be really lovely. To me it was something which was normal. You did your job. I never went out for something to gain something. It was something you are there to do something. And the doing was to protect Germany. That's what I was there for. That I knew it was dangerous, and I knew, especially if you are in a unit like that, uh, your ass is always on fire. So that's how it is. Tell me what you do every, is it every, every Saturday morning, once a month. Tell me what you do. I stand with my banner, which my daughter made for me, just to remind people the wars are not just soldiers marching off with banners and things, but nowadays, especially, women and children. More women and children get killed in wars than soldiers. The banner says, uh, remembering women and children killed in war. And just a little stylized picture on it. And uh, I stand in the... Main Street, outside the church there. 
Some people want to pretend I'm not there at all. And some people, most people are reasonably friendly and say good on you or something. When I first did it, I got a few nutters who got hostile and people who came up and said, what about men killed him <laughs> And I go around and say, just go around the corner, there's a big memorial to men killed in all wars. But you don't see a memorial to women and children. So, But nowadays they're used to me. They sort of look upon me as a benevolent idiot, I think. I have seen that much death that it is not funny anymore. And as a prisoner of war, we were there with 60,000 men, and I wouldn't know how many died there because they didn't have anything to eat. They sent us in a big area on a big slope on the River Rhine. 160,000 SS men laying under three trees and otherwise nothing else but grass. And the bastards wouldn't feed us. We were laying very close to that tree, and when it really got bad, we started eating grass and the rind of the tree. For me, that, that was the end of being soldier, and that was the end of being... Um, a, a, a person in a system. I, I decided for myself that I was going on my own and doing my own thing, which I thought would be right. I think he came home from the war very confused, very young, very upset. I mean, he would have had trauma of some sort. I came home from the war, from the prisoner of war camp, and went and found my parents. And uh, they were living in a glass dancing restaurant. And Liddy was the housemaid there. I hadn't had Liddy, and you shouldn't discount that because that was the big thing. Liddy actually came from an, an old communist family or mother. Her mother was an, an real old commo. She pulled him through the trauma. She obviously nursed him. She obviously listened to him. She pulled him back to life, back to proper life. Well, she died suddenly. I was completely devastated. You know, she died from one moment to another on a coronary occlusion. They tried to save her in the hospital and... There was no way. I think Gina was responsible for getting some other help at this particular time. I had four children on my hand. I stood by him. If you like, I supported him when his kids were attacking him. I think if you really get to the root of it, it's probably because I was Jewish. I don't know. I don't much care. 
I didn't approve of it. I thought it was disgusting the way they were behaving. Mostly they don't talk to us. I was completely lost. I didn't, I didn't really know. That was the first time in my life that I didn't know what to do. And, and uh, I would say I muddled, muddled along as good as I could. And this, this is the result of it, that the children are and went their own way because I had no control over it. One sort of follow-on question from that, which since we're talking now about life as well as death, yes. is that is that um, when you have seen so much death, yes, um, how is it how is it then possible to live? Uh, sometimes it's not easy. You have no idea. Look, no. Every time a man comes past and turns his head away from me, I think to myself, what have you done? that you're so ashamed of. And that's what it is. It doesn't matter which side. We have to face our own horrors as well as the horrors of others. I mean, Hansis sees the horrors of what was done to him and can't see the world view any more than I can. You know, I was 12 when taken to see the films about the concentration camps. So we have to put those things to bed because they would separate us and we are not separated. I decided that war was the worst thing which could happen to humankind, to everybody. Not only to soldiers, but also to civilians. And the thing is that in the following years, it became even worse. I think in a funny sort of way, we're so far off it, now, 70 years on. I think it's time we stop talking about the war. When I told my father, who had been in the Second World War, officer in the Indian Army, um, that I was about to marry a man who'd been in the SS. He said, the war's been over a long time. And I agree with him. I think sometimes that we, we fixate too much on the war and we don't f make a feature of peace. We ought to. Because the kids are getting a, a cockeyed view of the world. So, so what's your view on this on this interview that I'm you know I'm doing 
with Hans and yourself, obviously. We're talking about the war here. Is that, is that something you disapprove of? No, I don't disapprove of anything because I believe people should do what they think they should do. It's I find, well, even I've lived with the war all my life. War seems to have been part of my life ever since I was a toddler. I'm sorry about it, but I'm looking back now. They have got drones which have not people in it anymore who kill other people. But what are we doing? You said before that you you know you describe yourself accurately. I think as a peacenik, and you said that we peaceniks have been a failure. Do you feel that your life's work in this way has been a failure? Oh, total failure! Of course, everybody's killing everybody and thinking up even better ways to do it. But there is a caveat. That is, we did have a lot of fun. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts about my own death is I wish I could choose to take my own life when I want to. I'm going to die when I want to die, uh, for sure, one way or another. I have come to the conclusion that a bullet in the head is too much trouble for the ones who are not dying, but I'll find a way. When I want to go, I go. Don't worry about it. I don't give a stuff what they are saying or what they want me to do or what they don't want me to do. I am my own man and I do what I want to do. Are you afraid of it? Well, everybody's sort of much more afraid of being in pain and discomfort and helpless. I think there's no more dangerous position for a human being than to have somebody who is responsible for you, one person. Because it's a bad dynamic. You you get, doesn't matter who it is, you get daft and they get bullying and it's horrible, horrible for both which is why I'd like to choose when I go. There is no other agency, government or anything else. The only person I would, would, would listen to would be Gina. Nobody else. When you're 90, you've not got much time left. Even when you're 82, like me, you haven't got much time left. And you're very aware of that. And I think probably that's why I'm hesitant talking to you even, because what I say has to be understood. And it isn't always, you know. I love him dearly, (laughs) I'll say that first. We've been married for, I think, 36 years. And all in all, they've been the best years of my life. And he's a remarkable man, so I can forgive him his foibles now. 
<laughs> she is a good human being and she's caring and <laughs> I mean I just love her. <laughs> <laughs> Do you fear that you're like a sort of ship sailing out to sea that you're, that you're beginning to lose it? Yes. I don't want to think about it. I want to talk to him about it. Mm. Is there anything you'd like to say to Hans before he, before he leaves? I say it to myself, yes, yes. I say don't go till I've gone is what I really want to say. I don't want to be alone anymore, no. But you can't help these things. I mean, I know he's old and I know he's forgetful and I know he's absent-minded. But when I see him, I, uh, I really feel a leap in my heart.